I have a millennium surprise. And I've got a beverage that defined a nation. Welcome Hello. to Date Fight on New Year's Eve. Yes. We're it's... almost into the twenty, the second year of this podcast. I mean, that's pushing it. <laughs> it's technically the truth. Right, I'll take that. Uh, in any case, yes. welcome along. It's the podcast where we take great moments from history and pitch them against each other. He's Jake Yap. I'm Nat Tapley, and together we have picked the rhubarb of history and have prepared it into the crumble of this podcast. That's a great callback to yesterday's podcast, it is, isn't it? Thanks. Round one. I'm going to go with yes. Let's do the Millennium Surprise first. Thirty-first okay. of December, nineteen ninety-nine. The millennium. What were you doing for the new millennium? I was vomiting. Nice. I had a stomach bug. Mm-hmm. I was in France and I could hear a fun party happening downstairs <laughs> while I lay in bed shivering and sweating and thinking, if this is how the next <laughs> millennium's going, count me out. What about you? I was in, I went to uh, Parliament Square. Did you? Yes. It was horrid. It was full of people. Um, <laughs> you say, oh, it was wonderful. No, it was horrid. Yeah. But anyway, whilst we were there, everyone was a little bit worried about the millennium bug. That was mm. a thing that could happen. Oh, yeah. It could kill us all. So that was one reason why we didn't have a serious discussion before going, should we go into London where things could, if things are going to happen, it could happen there. Like, that's where they'll bomb. Right. Richard Madeley off of Rich and Judy famously was talking about how they'd stockpiled food. Oh, really? They were worried about the millennium bug. I stockpiled... Salt. Did you? And potpourri. I just thought, <laughs> cover the basics. If anything will get me through this sickness. I just figured salt would be good, you know, for if, if we end up eating rats. I'd probably want quite salt. heavily salted Seasoned rat. Them, yeah. yeah. Bring out the flavour. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, yes, there were discussions about what was going to happen, because if the Russians hadn't fixed the computers that controlled their nuclear arsenal, well, we could all just be blown up at midnight. Yeah. But instead, at midnight, we got the news that the Russians hadn't blown everyone up, but... Boris Yeltsin had resigned, which felt really weird. That news did go around the crowd. People were like, Boris Yeltsin's resigned. They were like, is that because he knows all the nuclear warheads are going off? Oh. And then we looked at the disappointing fireworks and went, oh, yeah, the River of Flame, which is very small. Dry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the time when the- fireworks went from being, like, big explodey fireworks to being these kind of... Yeah. ...things. <laughs> Basically just... Just a barge covered in Bunsen burners. <laughs> Rubbish. A couple of sparklers <laughs> stuck to the London eye. So on 31st of December 1999, Boris Yeltsin issued a televised resignation speech. He had been behaving bizarrely for some months before because he liked to drink vodka for breakfast. Although Boris Nemtsov, his uh, deputy, said that it was because of the medication he was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he then went on to say, because it reacted badly with all the vodka he liked to drink. <laughs> <laughs> in 1997, in a visit to Stockholm, he suddenly started talking nonsense. He told the bemused audience, which included Bjorn Borg, that the meatballs that were being served reminded him of Bjorn Borg's face. I had no idea. He then lost his balance, almost fell down on the podium, and then got up again and drank a glass of champagne. Spectacular. (laughs) He claimed in his memoirs to have no memory of that incident. I'm not surprised. This reminds me of your face. It never happened. If I can't remember it, it did not happen. He had to make a hasty withdrawal from the funeral of King Hussein of Jordan in February 1999. 
he was going to be sick somewhere. Overcome with emotion. But the weird thing about when he stood down is it probably was to ensure that... Because he'd been, like, publicly drunk for years. No one could yeah. do anything about it. And he was due to stand down in June. But the fact that he stood down in uh, at December meant that he could appoint his successor, which he appointed Vladimir Putin, who no one else liked. OK, then. He liked Putin, but no one else... There were lots of people who wanted to replace Yeltsin after he'd gone. And Putin had only just arrived, like, two months earlier in the building. Before that, he'd been in the Crimea and he'd been head of the SF FSB. Then he came to be a deputy president, I think, to one of three to Boris Yeltsin, and Boris Yeltsin clearly wanted him to succeed him, but no one else did. But by standing down in December, it meant that the elections would have to happen in March, which were three months before anyone else was expecting them to happen, apart from Vladimir Putin, who was incredibly well prepared for it to happen, almost as if he'd been involved in setting that little plan in motion. Good heavens. Anyway, so that's my thing for today. You look like meatball. <laughs> You're a boring face meatball man! I must go now. What? <laughs> <laughs> we play tennis with meatball face. Great. I want to tell you about Commodus. Ooh. Commodus. Commodus? Commodus. Do you know about Commodus? <laughs> Commodus is the toilet man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do, do you know about Commodus? No. Okay, well, it's interesting. This was... <laughs> well, hopefully that's the idea, right? <laughs> so this was the day that Commodus died. Oh, dear. Uh, it was the 31st of December... In the year 192. Mm. So he was an interesting guy. He had an interesting life. He was very big on his physicality. Oh. Aren't they all? But he sort of instituted this uh, dictatorial style of leadership that culminated in a kind of godlike personality cult. Stop me if any of this sounds familiar <laughs> in any way. But there were various crises. So in the year 182, his sister tried to get him killed right because she was jealous of the empress crispina i don't, I don't know i don't know but anyway she got her cousin and someone else to try to murder commodus as he walked into a theater mm. do you want a chocolate oh <laughs> they bungled the job and the emperor's bodyguard like, no you don't mate <laughs> then in 187, there were some deserters who came from Gaul intending to assassinate him at the festival of the great goddess in mm -hmm. March, but he got betrayed and he got executed. Oh. Then in 191, yeah. there was a massive fire in Rome and lots of buildings burned down. And seeing this as an opportunity, the next year, Commodus said, Do you know what? I'm the new Romulus. Mm. And he refounded like Rome. He suckled from a wolf. He, he didn't do that part, but he renamed the city Colonia Lucia Ania Comodiana. And he basically said, right, you know all the months? Mm -hmm. All the months yeah. of the... There has my names now. <laughs> he had 12 it's names. very difficult to distinguish between... Lucius, Aelius, Aurelius, Commodus, Augustus, Herculeus, Romanus, Exuperatorius, mm. Amazonius, Ooh. Yeah. Invictus... Felix and Pius. Oh. So here we are on the 31st of Pius. 31st of Pius. Then, later that year, he held the plebeian games. Mm. <laughs> Just like, it's a knockout. Yeah. It's a, it's a plebeian knockout. What he basically did was he got people to get together hundreds of animals yeah. every morning. Yeah. And then he'd just get a bow and arrows and javelins <laughs> and just 
bung it into the animals like hundreds of animals every morning oh no just slaughtered and then every afternoon he'd fight as a gladiator winning all the fights wow weird that that. it's probably because he was a really really excellent soldier not because he was the i doubt that anyone even so much as nicked a knuckle on him Henry VIII used to do that. He used to get in joust when he was far too old and fat to be able right. to win them. Again. I've won again! <laughs> oh, my king! How wonderfully you have... <laughs> so that was November. And then in December, the 31st, Marcia, mm. his mistress, poisoned him. <sighs> but mm. what he's done is yeah. he's sicked it up. Oh, he's done a Rasputin on them. He's done a Rasputin. He's gone... Bleh. So the conspirators, because it wasn't just her... He's on a Yeltsin on them. Sent for his wrestling partner. (laughs) Guy called Michael Narcissus. (laughs) To strangle him in the bath. Right. Okie dokie. Oh, this is new. This is fun. Come on, Narcissus. It's what he would have wanted. (laughs) And so on his death, the Senate immediately declared him a public enemy. And restored the original name of the city of Rome and its institutions. <laughs> we call it Rome again now. Yeah, can yeah. we play? And these stupid months. <laughs> and all of the statues of him were demolished. Oh. Thus endeth Commodus. That was, that was quite exciting. I like that story. It's quite fun. I like the wrestling in the bar. <laughs> of course you do. Of course I do. <laughs> Happy birthday to Simon Foreman, the Elizabethan Rasputin. He was an astrologer, occultist and herbalist, active in London during the reigns of Queen Elizabeth I and James I. However, his reputation was severely tarnished after his death when he was implicated in the plot to kill Sir Thomas Overbury. Astrologers revere him to this day. Everyone else thinks he was a nutter. (laughs) Happy birthday to Val Kilmer, which is short for Valuable Kilmer. I don't know what it's short for. Valet. Valet. Valet parking. Valet parking. (laughs) And also, happy birthday to Donald Trump Jr. He's like Donald Trump Sr., but younger. He helped launch Trump Mortgage in 2006, which collapsed within one year. In 2010, he became a spokesperson for Cambridge Who's Who, a PR firm that had received hundreds of complaints filed with the Better Business Bureau. So he went back to work in the Trump Organisation and to appear as a guest judge on The Apprentice. He's currently listed in Wikipedia as businessman. He is fourth generation businessman, it says. I'm like, that's not a thing you can be. If you inherit your wealth, you're no longer a businessman. You are just a person who inherits wealth. There are first generation businessmen and everyone else is just parasites. It's like you take his father's lack of self-awareness and multiply it somehow, as if that were possible. It sort of feels like, couldn't you just, like, take him to a playground or something? You know, they're sort of just trying to find diversions for him, you know, distractions, so they'll just give him some companies to run into the ground or whatever. Oh, happy days. Uh, His first year of university he spent as a bartender, but then he came back to head up the building of... The Wall Street building in the Trump organisation. Good Lord. Because that is the perfect experience for that. That's the birthdays. Happy birthday, Donald. Why is it that Americans love the kind of dynastic Mm. thing so much when we have a dynastic thing and we're like, yeah, whatever. I think it's because we have one that rules us and we're like, oh, no, that's a terrible idea. Yeah. From the moment we're born, we know you can't be king. Yeah. You can't be the king. But we love your William and Harry. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love my. Yeah. yeah. Happy death day. Let's do the death days. Happy death day to Robert Boyle. He invented Boyle's law. He was a chemist. Seventeenth. Uh, what is chemist. Boyle's law? I don't know. It's something to is do it with like science. Boyle's war. Yes. <laughs> It's exactly the same as that. Okay. Let's talk about another chemist. Happy death day to Alice Ball, an African-American chemist who developed a cure for leprosy, or a treatment for leprosy, but who died at age 24. Crikey. Mm. Also, happy death day to performance artist Lee Bowery, who I just imagine painted all different colours somewhere in a big Andy Warhol party. I've got one for you. This is the 31st of December, 1759. Yeah. And an Irish fella. Oh, yeah. By the name of Arthur. Arthur Guinness. Oh, yeah. Literally, Arthur Guinness. (laughs) I'll have an Arthur Guinness. Arthur Guinness, please. Signs a lease at £45 per annum and starts brewing Guinness. Mm. Guess how many years that lease ran for. 200. 9,000 years. A 9,000 year (laughs) lease. What happens if he wants to get out of it? Well, he has to pay all of the rent. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're betting people will like beer for the next 8,800 years at that point. Well, I mean, you know, it's got form. Yeah. It's got form. Not 8,000 years worth of form. Yes, it has. What, ancient Egypt? That's what, maybe 6,000 BC? Yeah, I mean, not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like, I like the idea. I mean, I mean, I'm assuming they'd been tasting the product when they were drawing up the lease, right? And they're like, "This is fantastic!" I tell you what, this drink in nine thousand years from now, I swear to God, people will be drinking. I'm gonna, I'm make out the lease for nine thousand years. I'm gonna give you this place for nine thousand years. It's the best drink there's ever been. That's what I reckon happens. I've got some facts about Guinness for you. Yes. So, a pint of Guinness contains as much iron as a hammer. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Guinness is the only drink in the world to be recognised by UNESCO as not for me, thanks. (laughs) The original... Handwritten recipe for Guinness is kept locked up in Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina, where the steam keeps it at a constant 98 degrees. <laughs> and Guinness is enjoyed by many marsupials, including phalangeriforms, opossums, wombats, and quackers. <laughs> so that's Guinness. Lovely, I've learned so much today. <laughs> oh, man. Let's go to the 31st of December. If it's a massacre, I will massacre you. You bring it down off the back of that. Uh, 1600. Oh. East India Company gets oh, its chance. I can brilliant. do this one as a sort of, you know, I can flip it. Mm-hmm. The East India Company gets its charter, leading to a huge Yay. period of British dominance in the subcontinent. Or I could admit that it was actually a terrible thing for most people involved. Was uh, it a 9,000 year... It wasn't a 9,000-year lease. I believe it was a a perpetual lease. Perfect. When they got it. Um, So it took them 203 years to really get up to the proper East India Company as we know it, by which point it had a private army of 260,000 people (sighs) administering corporate justice across the subcontinent. 
The East India Company... That is... I mean, that's bigger than... It was twice the size of the British Army. The British Army was half the size Do you think it reached a point where actually the British government were like, OK, mate, yeah, have whatever you want. Like, no, but they were over there. I mean, it was the Navy you had to... They didn't have a decent enough Navy to bring anyone back here. Okay. Um, The revenues from India at that point were £13 million a year, which is about £225 million a year now. So, actually, probably not even worth it. (laughs) (laughs) You Uh, just made it worse. (laughs) I know. Um, They lost control of India after the Indian mutiny, uh, the Indian rebellion in 1857, at which point... Uh, the government said, maybe you shouldn't exist anymore. We'll take over. Thanks. Thanks for everything. Um, We'll give all your shareholders lots of money and we'll take over there. Thank you. So they nationalised it? Essentially, they nationalised it. Crikey. And people were going on about the trains. I know. So there was lots of widespread looting and corruption. Clive of India um, took a huge amount of uh, wealth out of India and his uh, new taxes he imposed led directly to the Bengal famine of 1770. Um, India was known as the bird of gold in the West because it was the richest part of the world when the British arrived. It was no longer the richest Fully part of the plucked. world when we left. Oh, man. Thanks a lot. I could do some fake India facts. <laughs> no, no. I think, that's, I think that's a bad idea. Well, I wonder who's won what? the year so far of 2019 Ooh. because it's all over yeah. now. Uh, well, you. There we go. That was easy. Since you've won every round there's ever been. So, uh, congratulations to you. Well, we hope that you've had an okay year. Hope you've had fun. Yeah. We've had quite more fun than we probably should have with the horrific things we're discussing. And it's thrilling to have launched this podcast, which has been growing very pleasingly. Brilliantly. Thank you all so much. Yeah, thank you very much indeed. If you could carry on sort of spreading the love, that would really, really help. Uh, In the meantime, we are going to make 2020 our first complete year. Wow. Of day- <laughs> so tired at the yeah. prospect. 365 episodes to record. Yeah, we're going to do this in one weekend. Yeah. Uh, no, we're going to do this and we hope that you'll join us for it. Please do. In the meantime, we don't want to be doing it on our own. Yeah. Hang miserable. Yeah. However, you're seeing in the new year, we hope it's a good one and we'll see you on the other side. It's not long now. Don't worry about it. Well, just, just, you know, just go to bed. It's fine. Be nice to each other. We'll see you in the morning. Cheers, man. Bye. Bye. Bye.